0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. So Wednesday nights for me are less about message and series, and it's more, I say musings, it's more about, hey, I thought you guys were at soccer. I'm glad you came. This is my daughters. Aw, glad you guys are here. Anyways, sorry, a little moment there. We're busy, we don't see each other. You guys have those lives too? We're like, oh, I have kids, I forgot. <laughs> Anyways, it's Wednesdays for me are more about musing. It's, it's things that I'm reading, like right now in the middle of, maybe there'll be series or sermons later on, but it's just more where I think God is doing his work on me, and I want to bring you into that with me on Wednesday night. So Ephesians chapter five, it's one of those places right now. We give you one verse, and then I'm going to read a couple more in a minute. Apostle Paul once writes this to the church in Ephesus, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Just do me a favor, look at somebody to your left and say, wake up. Somebody to your right and tell them, it's time to wake up. If they're really sleeping, you might need to nudge them, actually. Just say it out loud with me. You ready to say this? Say, it's time to wake up. So Paul's writing a church that, at this point, is probably about 15 years old. When Paul, back in Acts 19, and we'll look at it in a minute, made his journey into Ephesus, uh, he began to really, he kind of scoured around to find, were, were there any any people of the way? And he found a group of about 12 people who had not been yet really given the knowledge of Jesus, but they knew about John, and they'd been following John the Baptist's baptism, and in his way, and looking for the Messiah, so Paul begins to bring them into the rest of the story, and what's happened, and it was out of that 12 people that this church begins to grow, and explode, and and take over Ephesus in an incredible way, the gospel just penetrates the city, and begins to flip it upside down in an incredible powerful way, and transform lives. But there becomes this point 15 years later where that church has begun to slip back into some of its old patterns before they were followers of Jesus. And this is when Paul begins to write to them with this message, hey, 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 hey. Some of you are falling back asleep and it's time to wake up. My, uh, my son, or uh, mine and my wife Nicole's firstborn, uh, turns 20 in a couple of days, actually Friday. But when he was a little peanut, uh, when, you know that age when you're just starting to put together like full sentences? One of his first full sentences, he, you remember this? He would come. I think he said it to your mom the first time. He went to, to my mother-in-law, and he said in the morning, he goes, the sun is up, and the moon's not out. And that became like his morning call to all of us to, like, get up. It's time to go. We got things to do. We got stuff to get there. And so he, I remember on Saturdays, even, he'd come wandering in. He's like, Dad, the sun is up, and the moon's not out. And I'm like, Tobin go back to bed I'm not ready to get up yet dad's not up yet but that was his morning cry to us like wake up it's time to get up Uh, theologian and author C.S. Lewis says this I love this quote he says I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen he's talking about the the S-U-N the ball in the sky but he says this I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only that I see it but because by it I see everything else How many of you know that the sun has risen? And when we see him, his illumination gives us the ability to see everything else. So I just want to pray for a minute and ask the sun to give us just a discerning ear and heart to know what it would mean for us all these many generations later that Paul would have written then and as much to us now, wake up, wake up, wake up. So Jesus, we want to be those who are awake. Awake to you, awake because of you, awake in you, awake through you. And so, God, I just pray that uh, things that I think you're saying to me and stirring in me right now, I pray that you would use them to speak into and to stir all of us this evening. Because your word is timeless. And because your word also penetrates to the deepest places of who we are. 19, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. Just one simple moment of this church in Ephesus. So Paul shows up in Acts chapter 19 into Ephesus. He begins to share the gospel. He meets these 12, and he baptizes them. The church begins to grow. church begins to have unbelievable impact in the city, a city that's incredibly broken, a city that is, I mean, whatever level of sinning we can do, like, we're JV compared to them. I mean, everything was just, it was super broken. It was the heart of the worship of the goddess Artemis. Uh, This is where her primary temple was. I mean, they were charged with guarding this temple. Pilgrimages would have taken place to come here. I mean, this was just, it was a very broken place on every level. And the church starts to grow and have unbelievable impact as the message of Jesus is spread. And it starts to flip everything about this town upside down, this city upside down. So much so that even the economy built on the sin of the city starts to get rocked. There's one place here in Acts 19, it just says this, verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. This is what the early church was called. We weren't Christians yet. We were just called the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, this is the, the goddess, uh, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he called them all together with the workers and related trades, and he said, you know, my friends, that we have received good income from this business. And you see and hear now how this fellow Paul, has convinced and led astray a large number of number of people here in Ephesus and particularly the whole province of Asia and he says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all there is a danger not only that our trade will lose good name but also that the temple of the great artemis the goddess will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Could you imagine being so committed to Jesus, so committed to the gospel, to letting that not just work in your life, but work through your life, into your community, your neighbors, your coworkers, that your whole city begins to be disrupted on a financial basis where anywhere the finances are attributed to or attached to deplorable, broken, wicked things. Could you imagine like flipping your whole city upside down that way? The closest like I've ever maybe gotten to that would be the church I came from before here. We, uh, we were a several year run before we had the opportunity to move into our own building we had this long-term lease deal that we signed, and we were gonna do all the construction and most of the demo ourselves, and so we get into the project, and you know, we had to work with the city to get all the permits and get everything else, and things started stalling a little bit for us along the way, and then we met a guy in the city who started to meet with us, and he was, like the, he was the gatekeeper we had to get through to get all the permits that we needed to keep moving forward, and he brings us into this story, and he tells us that just down the street from us there's this building that you could've thrown a rock and hit, we didn't know what it was because it was clearly under construction. And he tells us it was, um, it was a gentleman's club. And uh, he says, you know, that we've, uh, they've been under construction for a while. And we have found some loopholes that while they're trying to build out, we're keeping it shut down. Because he says, we don't want it, actually, in our city. We don't want a strip club here. And so he says, the, the problem is I'm getting to the end of all my loopholes. And so pretty soon, they're going to be able to open this thing back up and, and open up for business again. And he says, until you guys. He says, there's a, there's a law in our city where you can't have a facility like that within a certain amount of distance to a church. And I'm like, so, so by being here, basically shutting them down? He's like, yup. And he just fast-tracked everything for us at that point. And the best part of it was, they then, because they couldn't reopen, they got torn down, and instead there was a DQ that got built there on those grounds. <laughs> so we went from poles to ice cream cones. And, and the, the best part was, like, just realizing, like, holy smokes, like, we've barely moved in, and we already shut down the strip club. Game on. And uh, the funniest part, though, was that for years after that, people would come to the church, we'd meet new people, and this would happen often. They'd be like, oh, this is great, I didn't even know you guys were here, how long have you been here? Yeah, did you guys know where that DQ is, it used to actually be a strip club? I'm like, I did. How did you know? Like... <laughs> It's good to meet you. (laughs) I just want (laughs) to walk away. But this is is the kind of thing that's been happening in Ephesus. Like the gospel is advancing in such a way that things are just transforming. And there's some people that don't want it to be transformed. But now 15 years later, something has begun to change in the church, and people are sliding back into some of who they used to be and some of what they used to be. And there's this sense of almost falling asleep. And so Paul comes into them with this message that, hey, 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 hey. You all are sliding back to who you used to be. You're kind of being lulled back into who you used to be. Wake up. Like, it's time to wake up. Like, like get out of that mold. you guys know the place, like, even for you and I, where you're not quite sleeping, you're not quite awake? You know, it's, it's that space in between hitting the snooze. You know, that space, amazing how much you can dream in between the 10-minute snooze, isn't it? I had a dream just last night that Sam and I were in Africa visiting some of our global partners but we were lost, we had no idea where to go, we had no phone to contact the people back here to get directions, and we were on a motorcycle with no headlight. I have no idea what any of that meant, but that happened in between hitting the buzz. Like, like there's just, like when you're in that state, like my brother, when we were growing up, we found out that he had a disorder where he would like legitimately sleepwalk. Not like sometimes where you get up and you're not sure how you got to the other side of the room, like sleep, sleepwalk. The first time it ever happened, we found him under my mom and dad's bed after calling the police and hours of panic. And he just woke up and came out like, oh, what's everybody's problem? The weirdest thing in the world. Like, like, this is kind of what the church is doing in Ephesus. They're literally just being lulled back into sleep. And so Paul's message to them is, hey, wake up. Like, he's going, I, I, I can't even tell if you're alive. You, you almost look a little bit dead from who you used to be. So, so let's read it. Back to Ephesians chapter five. I just want you to hear the context of Paul's Writing to them where the verses of wake up fell. Verse 1 of chapter 5. You guys uh, fill out that background nicely. It says here Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, or such a person as this who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes out on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything is exposed by the light and becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you lived in my house, you would, you would see that there are two different ways that people get woke up in our home. There's my wife. Can I, can I borrow a seat here for a minute? I'm going to squeeze in here. There's my wife. All right, so if you're getting woke up by Nicole... You're getting, hey, it's going to get weird from me. Just Super. ride it, ride it out with me, all right? Okay. So this, this is a wake up from Nicole. Oh. Hey, sweetie. Morning. Yeah, that's weird. How'd you sleep? Did you dream good? Okay. It's time to get up, honey. It's just so, it's so pretty. Isn't that, it's what it is, right? Isn't that what your mom does? My face is red right as it feels right now. <laughs> Come on, man. But this is, this is Nicole's wake up. It's gentle. It's calm. It's not my wake up. My wake up is I come in and I flip the switch up and down. I jump on the bed. I push you off of the bed a little bit. I rock things. I start screaming, We're late. It's an hour late. You should have been up an hour ago. This is the last Fact Jack chopper out of Vietnam. I just get like crazy. I'm just like screaming and getting nuts if I even wake them up. Like there's just two different ways to wake people up in my home. And I, oh, I won't do that one to you. Are you ready for me to leave? Move? Yeah, go on. Okay, I could just stay there and do the rest of this with you. Okay. I, here's what I want you to say this is not, when Paul's writing the church, this is not Paul going, hey guys, it's time to get up. I mean, I know you've been sleeping and falling back into old ways, but I'm here now. No, this is Paul going nuts with the light switch, raising his voice, telling them, you missed the alarm, we're gonna be late. Hey, everybody, wake Up, Like, this is Paul going a little bit to the level 10. Like, you don't understand. You're falling asleep. You're falling asleep. You who once turned an entire city upside down for Jesus Christ, who started with 12 of you, and you became so powerful that the city itself began to transform. You're falling asleep. It's time to wake up. Wake up. We call this whole thing that we do on Wednesday nights encounter. We wanna have encounter with God. We wanna have encounter with God with one another. You cannot encounter God if you're sleeping. And for some of us, I think that we might be missing God in our lives right now because the truth is, we're asleep to him. Kinda like the church in Ephesus. We've gone back to some of who we were. And Paul's reminder is, no, that's not who you are anymore. You're actually now the light of Christ. Live out the light of Christ. Wake up to the light of Christ that he may rise and shine on you. And I just wondered how much today in the church Paul's message is just as crucial. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. There's a couple of things I think you could talk about that Paul is encouraging and challenging people to wake up to, can I just give you a couple? Just a few, it's not an exhaustive list. But I think one of the things clearly that Paul is saying, you need to wake up, you need to wake up, you need to wake up from your sexual immorality into sexual purity. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a place where everything goes. Again, you think about whatever has overwhelmed our society in terms of sexual perversion, Were JV, they were varsity. I mean, the church practice, literally, part of the practice of worshiping Artemis was prostitutes at the altar. Like, when you come into church and there's prostitution that becomes a form of the worship service... Like, you have gone off the rails, off the rails. Like, there is just perversion that has taken over. People are doing whatever satisfies them, whatever they want, and they're pursuing every form of sexual brokenness. And Paul says, wake up. For God's people, there must not even be, and this is strict, but he says, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. I would suggest there is more than a hint among our culture and among us. And I think Paul would say to us as much as he did to them, if you want an encounter with God, wake up. Not in a shameful way, not in a legalistic way, but in a way that brings us to life by being in the light. He would say, wake up, wake up, wake up. You're sleeping through what God has for you. I think he also is encouraging the church and challenging the church to wake up to self-control. Self-control. And there's a little bit of an overlap here between the first one and this one. So let me just pick on two of the really big, easy ones. I was doing some study recently and found some things I didn't even realize. Like, for example, the amount of alcohol consumption in our country in 2020 was the single largest year of alcohol consumption in our country for the last 50 years. At present, right now, the rate of alcohol consumption in our country is growing each year by about 2.5%. Globally over the last 30 years the rate of alcohol consumption has gone up by 70%. Do you think we've got some problems with self-control? Paul says don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the spirit. Now he's not saying don't drink it. We have clear examples in the Bible of Jesus enjoying some wine. But he's saying self-control, self-control, self-control. How about pornography? Did you know that the United States of America is the number one producer? And not just the number one producer, but the number one producer to the degree of 90% of all pornography in the world. That has earned us shamefully just recently on the global scale. It has earned us the nickname, the most porn addicted country. Do you think we have a problem with self-control? Those are two big ones and easy ones. How about some other areas? How about our language? Our language. You know, back in chapter 4, as Paul wrote to the church, one of the things he says in chapter 4 verse 29 is let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth, but only that which is useful in building others up that it may benefit those who listen. How about our mouths? I know for me that's one that I don't often have a great control over. How about our tempers? How about our gossip? How about our anger? How about our eating? How about how about our social media? The amount of time we spend on that. Like, do you think maybe we have a problem with self-control? And the reason, listen to me, here's the reason it's a problem. Because the more that we fall into the sleep, lulled into that space in between, awake and dozed off, the more we are letting other things take control of our lives in the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul's warning them. This isn't a legalistic thing like some of us have grown up in. This is Paul saying, no, 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 no. The more you sleep in these things, you're dead. You're not experiencing the life of Jesus. He's saying, I want you to experience him. I want you to wake up to the life, wake up to the freedom. And then lastly, I think one of the things he would have us to wake up to is worship. Did you catch what he said at the end? He says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now worship, singing isn't the only way that we worship. Music, a moment like this, exalting the name of Jesus isn't the only way that we worship. But there is something unique and powerful. I don't know how else to interpret Psalm 22, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we come together and we praise him, when with our voices we acknowledge his greatness, there is just something that God does to come and camp in that space, to invade that place. It says the Lord inhabits. He inhabits that somehow uniquely. Like, I think sometimes there's still, like, like I know we, we love, we love what you guys do. We, I hear all the time about Matthias. I mean, he's got, you know, calves of steel doing this all day long, and we, like, you guys are such a gift. But then, like, I'd be, I'd like sometimes, this, this, this is all of us in the room. I mean, there's some of you like I, there's some of you that have just kind of lost yourself into the moment Jesse I finally figured out tonight why you have to have two empty chairs next to you like one on each side because if not somebody's getting a black eye clearly I mean his eyes are he's not even trying to pay attention to you he doesn't care just know that if you're near him he's doing this the whole time and you're gonna catch it right in the jaw And I'm not saying you gotta be Jesse, you be you, you be normal to you, but here's what I would invite. When we come together and we come together to worship, like don't care about what I think, don't care about what the person next to you thinks, don't care about what your spouse thinks, don't care about how your voice sounds, care about one thing, that there's an audience of uno. It is Jesus, he's watching and he wants you to lift his voice up. And he says, when you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. You're part of the all. Do you realize that when you lift him up, he's going to draw you uniquely as well? He's going to pull you in in a different way. I think part of what Paul is telling the church and he's also telling us is, I need you to wake up to worship. This isn't just song. It's not just singing. You're exalting me, the creator of all things. And when you do, I'm going to draw you in. I'm going to pull you towards myself. So here's, here's what I wanna give you an invitation to do. We got a few more moments where the band's gonna to continue to lead us. I think three, three more specifically or so, something like that. It, part of what Paul is doing is he writes to the church and says, wake up, wake up, wake up, is he's saying, repentance, repentance, repentance. You know, repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry, it's turning around and going the opposite way. He's saying, stop and do start. Stop, but start. He's saying, turn, turn. And he's saying, you know where to turn. You know how to turn. Go back to who you were. Go back to who you were when you first fell in love with him and when you were growing and everything was transforming as a result of it instead of who you were before that. But he's saying, hey, there's an act of repentance that needs to happen. But you know where repentance begins? It's confession. Just that honest moment to say, all right, God, I'm sleeping here. I'm sleeping in this place in my life. And I need to be woke up. And I want to put it before you. And I just want you to do the work you need to do with me. But it starts first with confession. So here's what I wanna do. I I wanna give you a moment tonight as we go through the rest of the evening to have a moment with God to confess whatever needs to get confessed. Like let's not just go through religious motions and just come and sing and go home. Like let's do business with God and let him do business with us. I grew up in a church where we used to say this phrase, and I never fully understood it. And maybe for some of you, it'll be the first time. Maybe for some of you, you're like, oh, we used to say it too, and I didn't understand it either. The pastor would always say, and this morning, if you have anything you need to bring to God, I invite you up to the altar. And, and as a kid, the altar only ever for me was, it brought me back to the picture of Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham, God was like, hey, I want you to take your son to the altar and sacrifice him for me. And then, you know, he pulls the whole psych thing at the end, but like for me, I was always like, I don't want to go to the altar. I' where you like kill things. But yes, that's where things die. And I would suggest that for probably all of us, there is something in our lives, I know there is for me, that needs to die at the altar. Something that needs to just be offered up and say, God, I don't want this to be a part of who I am. I want to be more awake to you. I want to be more awake to your purposes. I want to be more awake to the gospel. I want to be more awake to my city, bringing the gospel to those around me. So take this from me. Put that on the altar. So here's what I invite you to do. This is not an altar. It's a stage. We we can take it apart and put it in the back room. There's nothing unique about it. But I would invite you to at some point tonight to come up here and just get on your knees before God. And just confess to him what you need to confess. This is an absolute judgment-free zone. You don't come up here and be like, oh, I wonder what they're gonna be thinking. Matthias is right up here. He's probably like, oh, I thought that guy hit his stuff together. None of that. Here's newsflash. He's got his stuff less together than you. And I've got it less together than him. Like, nobody's got their stuff together. You go, well, I can, I can just have a moment with God in my seat. You absolutely can. You sure could. But sometimes the physical body has to lead the soul. And there's just something that happens when your physical posture makes a move that your soul then follows it. And so I just wanna invite you, like, come up. Don't let tonight go by. If you already know there's something stirred and God's even kind of nudged something inside you that you know, like, hey, I need to wake up in this area and I wanna confess this to him, then get up here and just do that. And have a minute before him. Not that something uniquely different happens here. It's not like some supernatural here versus your seat, like this is the spot, not there. But it's just you saying, God, my whole body is gonna be into this. And, and let let your physical move lead your spiritual posture. Now, I I want to tell you something really quickly just for any of you that's still like, bro, I'm not getting in front of anybody. I'm not getting down on the floor. I'm not kneeling in front of anybody. So I'll be the first. I have a couple of routines that I do on Sunday mornings before I speak every week. And one of them is I usually find a corner somewhere where nobody's at. It's a dark one. Usually for me, I go up into the, whatever our storage thing up is here. I've scared a few of you at times coming down but I always try to find a place where I just get—I get down before God, and I started doing this years ago. Uh, this is just part of my routine on a Sunday morning, as I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And there are several places in the scriptures that talk about us needing to kneel before Him, that we will one day kneel before Him, need to confess who He is. So part of my routine on a Sunday morning is I usually find a spot where I don't just kneel; I actually lay out prostrate before God. Did I say that right? Prostrate, not prostate. Prostrate. <laughs> Jeez, oh, they give me a mic every week still. And, and for the longest time, what I would do is in my office before I came to Kensington, I'd, I'd lay out on the ground and I would put my hands out in front of me and I would picture myself, I would picture myself holding the feet of Jesus. And I would just face down on the ground and I'd pray before I'd go preach and acknowledge him as Lord. And then this one particular Sunday, I felt like God just started speaking back to me when well, my face was down and he said, pick your face up. And I picked my face up and I looked ahead and the image he gave me in my mind was not me holding his ankles, but me holding his hands. And him laying flat on the ground as well, looking right into my face. I have always struggled in the way I was brought up in church to believe that God wants to be that close to me. I was always given a picture of God being so authoritarian that he was just always over me and just ready to kick me when I screwed things up. And part of what he's constantly recorrecting in my mind is, no, 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 I'm your dad. And when you go low, I'll go low. And when you're on the ground, I'll be on the ground with you. And I'm not asking you to just hold my ankles while I tower above you. I'm asking you to hold my hands while I get in the dirt with you. All I know is that when my physical posture has gone to my knees or lower, God has met me there and done something unique. That I needed. Can't promise that that'll happen if you do that tonight or tomorrow or next week. But I do think eventually, as you continue to let your posture go low, God will meet you there in a unique place because your humility is an invitation. So I'm gonna hand it back over to Matthias and the team and just really strongly encourage you if God's nudged and there's something that needs to go on the altar, if there's something you need to wake up from, don't leave the room tonight without getting before God on your knees and doing some business. surrender been listening to the Kensington Church podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.